Have you ever contributed something in the world, brought a contribution at some level, been a support to a friend, or created a project, or written a book, or done a short film, or given a talk, and then when you look back on that, perceived it as a failure? Today on The Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity, we are looking at perceived failure. Now we're going to put our critical thinking caps on for a minute and look at actual failure because we are human beings after all, and we do faceplant and do some crazy stuff sometimes that looks like a legitimate failure, like not meeting a deadline, yada yada. But what I'm more interested in today is the notion of perceived failure and how we can spin ourselves into a cycle of creating more suffering for ourselves by the very nature of that perception. I hope you'll stay with me. Align with your best self. Explore the quality of your being. Step into your capacity to thrive. Broadcasting from the northwest coast of Scotland, this is the Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity with D.W. Long. Okay, my shiny happy cohort, I am first of all wanting to thank you for continuing to listen to this little podcast. I have such a good time making it. Um, It has been a minute since I made the last episode, so here we are rolling again. And failure. Ooh, lordy, lordy. You know, we know that everybody fails in physical reality. We know that's just a thing. And if we want to take (laughs) some wise words from the fabulous Cardi B, um, you can get knocked down nine times and get up ten. So, although we know that failure is a thing that happens in physical reality, we fail an exam, we don't meet a deadline at work, we don't get a customer to buy our product, you know, we produce something and then it flops, you know, in the creative field, whatever that looks like. We know that those things happen. What I'm more interested in today is the idea of perceived failure and can we track for creating more suffering for ourselves than is needed? I advocate for never creating our own suffering. It's just pointless. It is leaked energy. We don't need to be doing it. If you've listened to enough of my podcast, then you know I'm all about that. So I don't think that I need to explain the difference between a perceived failure and a real failure. For example, like the the business prospect I talked about, you don't meet a deadline at work. Um, It may be a very stringent and highly staked deadline, and it doesn't get met. Ta-da! That's a failure, of course, right? Sorry, boss, I didn't meet that. Um, perceived failure. I, you know, in I'm I'm a creative person, so I think of it always in sort of the arenas that I'm most familiar with. When I was a musician and working as an actor, and even in this arena here, um, you know, I've written a book. Anything that you're you're putting out there from your soul, well, you can sometimes look at your contribution in a way, and when it's not doing as well as you'd hoped, you can have a perceived failure around that. Or, for example, you can be looking to support a friend. 
right? So picture this. You're looking to support a friend in a very specific way. They've asked for you to come to their side and support them. And you try everything and it's not working. They are not feeling better. And you might go home after that feeling like a failure instead of tracking your loving presence for them as the greatest contribution that you could give them and that you did the best that you could and were present to them and loving to them. And instead of tracking for how you didn't shift what happened over there, you could be tracking for your loving presence being a pivotal force in their experience, no matter what the outcome was. The bridge here between being able to move forward when we experience failure, whether that be the legitimate one of not meeting a deadline at work, or the perceived one that we weren't really effective in supporting our friend even though we did our best, yada yada, the bridge is are we able to be in acceptance of and practice embracing how we feel about that failure right after it's happened, even if it's a perceived one. So after a failure, we feel hopeless. We might have some anxious feelings that roll up and, you know, that might dink around on our esteem and we might start having negative self-talk about, oh, what a loser I am. You know, both the perceived and the actual failure. We might do all kinds of things to ourselves in that moment. And what would I say that is? Play Jeopardy music. Yeah, that is creation of our own suffering, right? As soon as we start colluding with all that monkey mind BS, all of that automatic negative thought stuff that comes in and floods our system with things that undermine the wellness of our being, well, that's where we begin that creation of suffering. So let's look at this a little bit more. I ask you in this moment, what is your go-to experience when you experience the thing that I'm talking about here? Do you beat yourself up psychologically? Do you do things like unhealthy activities that numb away the feelings of hopelessness or unworthiness or all of those things that I was speaking of before? Do you try to feel less anxious about what your contribution was that, quote, failed by overindulging in alcohol or overeating or whatever your your maladaptive coping mechanism is in that moment? I'm going to argue here that when we do that by avoiding, and I've talked about this in another podcast, when we avoid those feelings and emotions, well, they just go hang out in the back there waiting to come up once you get sober. Yeah, they just hang out in the back and go, that's fine, we'll just sit and wait because you're going to have to look at this at some point. So are you tracking for that any kind of unhealthy management of the way you feel about this? And what is the thing that helps us step into the ability to manage these feelings well? And I said before that the bridge might be practicing acceptance, might be embracing the emotions that you feel uncomfortable. I get it. I don't like it either. And I'm a good decade into practicing this stuff. And I still have moments where I'm like, I don't want to feel this. This doesn't feel good. But I know better. I know that I must do that in order for me to move through it. Not looking for an outcome study here, but more quickly. The sooner that I get immersed in the way that I feel, and I have clients that report this to me as well, the sooner it passes in some way or it morphs into something else. It, it, it begins to transcend itself in a way. Those, those difficult emotions become something else, maybe more fluid, leading you to a place where you feel more spacious and grateful that you allowed it to be there in the first place. Am I making sense here? Now, I know for a fact that I'm getting eye rolls from some of you <laughs> listening to this right now because I get eye rolls from people when I sit in session with them, whether that be coaching or the psychotherapy arena. People have the experience 
very human experience of thinking and feeling, oh no, I don't want to immerse myself in this. I want this feeling to go away. And when they remind themselves that the sooner that they just get waist deep, neck deep, completely submerged in it, the sooner, most often, they're able to move through it. Now, of course, it depends on the, you know, the mental status of the person and their ability to be insightful. Yeah, because, you know, if, if you're lacking insight, you know, general insight, well, immersing yourself in difficult emotions is probably going to carry you to a place where you're just not going to want to go, period. But if you've been practicing some sort of insightful self-reflection, self-study, meditation, whatever it is that gets you in touch with you, well, immersing yourself in the experience of feeling bad about the perceived failure or the actual failure is the way, is the pathway to being free from that. And the bridge to not create more suffering by ruminating and chewing on and, and over-talking the negative. So is it just about perception? I mean, is it that easy? I mean, is, is our girl Cardi B right? I mean, you know, get smacked down nine times and get up ten. And if you can keep that perception, if you can move through your life with that intention, and you know I've used that word a gazillion times in the Wanderer's Guide, if you can set your intention to allow yourself to be smacked down nine times, get up ten, smacked down 99 times, get up a hundred, right, and stay with it, well, how might that shift the quality of your being in any given moment? And I know that sounds like a bunch of Oprah malarkey, but the quality of your being is what you're living in this moment as you listen to me. Whether you're getting frustrated with what I'm saying or whether you're easing into what I'm saying, the quality of your being is happening to you right now. And believe it or not, you get to choose what that quality of being is. So you get to choose whether or not you ruminate on all the malarkey and BS that went wrong and how you can beat yourself up and how unworthy you are and you can go on and on and on about all that. Or you can say, oh gosh, that's how I feel. I feel useless in this moment, yet I can rise above that. I can transcend it in some way and say to myself, hang on, this is the 74th time I've been smacked down and I'm about to get up 75 times. Sit on that for a second. Take that in. Yep. You got me? So let's continue. Part of our process, which I often do in the therapy arena and sometimes in the coaching arena, is look at what are the not-so-rational ideas or beliefs we hold about the failure, right? If you fail meeting a deadline at work and it's your first time, and then your story is, I'm the worst bleeping employee this company has ever had. That is out of alignment with probably the truth. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to look at your failure with a rational lens? Now, that takes some work because if you're feeling all the emotions afterwards and then you want to just go like get drunk with your friends because you don't want to feel any of that. Well, you are not going to be able to be rational about the way you are looking at your beliefs about the failure, right? So can you be rational about it? Can you say, hmm, all right, first deadline I've ever missed, not good, but what I'll do is my best next time, yes, and I will communicate that to my superiors, yada, yada, I don't work in corporate, but you get what I'm saying. And from there, our realistic ideas about what failure looks like in any arena, no matter how we measure that failure, our realistic ideas and thoughts about that failure can only support us the next time we fail. Yes, whether it's a perceived failure or an actual failure that we can measure. 
Now I know this is the bit that you know a lot of people are going to have a little moan about, and I tell you, even sometimes I have a moan about this when I think about the areas that I failed, and I think, oh, what is this teaching me? What can I learn from this? Yeah, can you actually ask yourself that question without a gripe on your shoulder? I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, it, I'm going to be honest. It's difficult for me. I still get bitchy about it. I still get annoyed, bleeping annoyed, that I have to ask myself the question about what's my learning experience here. Yeah, it's not a pleasant thing to do, but I guarantee you, you will get a lot damn further down towards your thriving and forward momentum if you ask the flippin' question and answer the question. Yeah, ask yourself the question, what am I to learn here, and then answer the question, right? Because then you have just added another tool to your toolkit, and in the next moment that you fail, you will be better equipped not only to deal with it, but to clean up the aftermath of it, whatever that looks like for you. Now, some personal disclosure, and I've heard this more times than I can count from both coaching and therapy clients, but I want to share this with you. Um, I know that I failed to launch on a number of occasions in my lifetime because of fear of failure, that it would not, that I would not have the perfect thing to deliver. Um, perfectionism is a schema that I kind of have um, been well worked on, but it, I know that it shows up and I have to really track for it. But I more than often didn't do something courageous and bold, like publish a book, because I was afraid of doing it. Now, I didn't collude with that experience when I published the book that you guys, many of you who listen, know about. Um, But in the past, there have been things like entering a piano competition or going to an audition. I didn't go to an audition once, and my manager in New York gave me a big gripe about that because I didn't show up because I thought I was just going to flunk it, and I'd seen that casting director before, and I thought they're just going to once again think that I'm a losing piece of fill-in-the-blank. So I didn't go because I was afraid that I would fail. That could have been the audition that sent my career off as an actor. Who knows, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, no regrets because I have since learned from that experience and then sharing with you in this moment. Fear of failure can halt us. And so how do we get over our fear? Well, you might be asking my shiny, happy, cosmically fabulous wanderer here, how do I get out of the habit of allowing fear to stop me? Well, I would say if you were working with me, we would take tiny incremental steps towards things that bring up some fear and then we would conquer the little hills like ant hills you know little ant hills that we can step over and then we'd go up these sort of larger blocks and you would practice doing things that brought up a certain modicum of fear and then you would achieve that next level that is one approach that i think would be many people would would agree is a good way to approach like our big fears like going to give a TED talk, but too scared to do it, but you really want to? Well, how are you going to climb over all those little fears, little barriers that are probably married to some core belief that you have until you can get to the place where even though you're scared AF to give the TED talk, you will do it in face of the fear because you know that courage has sidled up beside you and said, I got you. And as you guys know who've been following me for quite a while, thank you for making me um, a high ranking in um, podcasts right now for health and well-being. I want to thank you again for that. That is was a, such a surprise. I know that I mentioned it um, in the last couple of podcasts. So since you're here, stick around. I'll be right back. You're listening to The Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity. If, like me, you're enjoying what DW has to say, 
go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep up with future content. I would absolutely love it if you click a star rating or leave a review. That way, I can know that the content I bring here is useful to you. And we are back, and I want to go back to perfectionism for a moment, because as I took a pause for a moment and made myself a cup of tea, I started thinking about a TikTok video I made um, the other day, which I got inspired by Brene Brown years and years ago about the idea of uh, perfectionism. And when I first sat with my very first therapist, this whole idea of having an unrelenting standard schema was presented to me, and I had no idea that that was a thing. So I want to talk a little bit about resisting what is socially constructed perfectionism. We have standards in this society, especially in Western society, oh, of perfectionism that just cannot be met. We know this already. We, we look at the photoshopped photos of models in magazines, and we, we, this is old news, but it's, it, it gives you the point that I'm trying to make here. Stay away from all that socially prescribed perfectionism and create your own standards in alignment with your integrity of what your level of contribution should be. Yeah, be very gentle with yourself. So, you know, I made this TikTok video the other day and it was a pivotal moment for me when I discovered that if I could search inside myself and find the courage to allow myself to be imperfect. Well, what can I say about that? <laughs> I My life changed after that because I think my perception before that was um, not to go too much into early childhood stuff, but that if the more perfect and polished I could be, the more love I would receive, which was never the damned truth. It was, you know, the more perfect we are, we don't get any more love. I mean, we might think we do sometimes. We might find a rationale for that, but it's just not the way it works. Um, and so it took me a minute to get it. And then when I did get it, it was, it was I think, life-saving. So stay away from all this socially constructed perfectionism. Just don't do it. And when you find yourself do it and you get into the habit of not being able to not do it, get a therapist or get a coach, you know, a good one who can help you with it uh, because it's just leaked energy and it creates more suffering. Yeah. And we're all about stopping the creation of our own suffering. We need to not do that because there's enough suffering going on around the world and in our face. We don't need to make more for ourselves. Now, if you're able to do all of this and look at your failure perceived or real, right? We've already discussed what the difference between those are. And get a grip on it. Well, can you embrace it in a way that that will make you more productive the next time around? Can you say, oh, this is what I've learned from this? I mean, we've talked about this before. But can you actually embrace it? The, the uncomfortable thing that I was asking you to do before was embrace how you feel about this perceived failure or even the real failure. Well, can you now embrace the you know, the, in, in making the failure that you've experienced productive for you the next time. And here's where I would say that it is the moment that we need to make sure that we have resources shored up for us. Do you have somebody to confide in when you experience failure? Do you have a therapist? Do you have a, a really good friend who's also got a bullshit meter, like that's really on target, so they can say, hmm, 
yeah, I think you're like deluding yourself in this moment. You need to be more gentle or whatever it is where they just don't necessarily collude with what you're coming out with when you're, you know, speaking a whole lot of, you know, crap about your failure that's actually creating more suffering for yourself. Do you have somebody that can support you, a group of people, uh, colleagues who experience the same or similar failures as you? Um, Support, which I've talked about in one of these podcasts about shouting out for support and how important it is. Well, Think about the next time you fail in this moment as you sit with me, take a breath. Yes, you're imagining this next failure and and you have it. Do you have somebody you can go to, call, go out for a meal with, a walk with and say, oh, I have this thing that happened and I need to share it with somebody who can support me. Yeah, do you have that? Because we all need support and it's important. Now, here's the thing that I want to leave you with near the, the end of this podcast coming up here in a bit is the notion of it's a scottish saying here (laughs) in scotland and i absolutely love it and i won't try to say it in a scottish dialect but there's a there's a thought that what is for you will not go by you so what's for you will not go by you so if you think about it sometimes failures and this is how i tend to frame failure most importantly for myself is that if there's a failure that i've just faced perhaps it's indicating to me that that wasn't for me anyway. It wasn't for me to nail that fill in the blank. Or the fact that I've had this failure, like an overt failure, um, will teach me something so that I will not only be better the next time I do uh, something along the similar lines of production, I will nail it because it taught me a lesson. Yeah, And so the failure was working for me. It wasn't working against me. It's not trying to undermine me and make me feel depressed or anxious or, you know, emotional so that I have to go, you know, comfort eat or or whatever. The failure is there for a purpose. It was for me. So can you do that for yourself? Can you say, hmm, everything I experience, including the failures, are actually working for me? They are every, everything that I experience is working for me. But right now we're looking at failures. So can you say that failure was working for me? Sometimes failures, yes, work for us. I failed an audition. I'm going back to acting for a minute. Um, I failed an audition in New York. I, I, I got a call back and then, it, you know, and I just blew it and it was terrible. Um, and I really, really wanted to do this little tiny show. It wasn't a big theater company. Um, and the next thing you know, I hear like a couple months later that this show had gotten the worst reviews. <laughs> it was really, really terrible. And so I like to look back and think, ah, that failure sort of kept me out of probably a bad experience, right? Who knows what that is all about? Cosmically... However, think about framing your failures in that way, and I can guarantee you that you will have greater success with stepping into your forward momentum. It's inevitable. So I want to leave you with this. This always tickles me. Look at the people who have stories to tell, highly successful people who have had probably consistent failure, Um, until they made it, and be inspired by their stories. When I was doing a little research about this podcast, I had run across that Michael Jordan, and I'm I'm not a huge basketball fan, I mean, I'll enjoy it, but Michael Jordan was not, like, kept on his high school basketball team because the coach apparently thought he wasn't gifted enough. Um, what? 
<laughs> uh, so do you see what I'm saying? Like, look for people who had stories to tell about failures. I used to love looking at actors who, who were like, for years and years and years, I've had more than, than, than 10 casting directors tell me that I had no talent until finally I got cast in this one thing, and then I got nominated for an Oscar five years later. You know, I love stories like that because, one, here's the thing also I want to leave you with, and when it comes for tracking how you're doing, I would limit your outsourcing. So when you're looking at what you're contributing in the world, yeah, and you've gleaned all of this fabulous information from people who inspire you who have failure stories, yeah, and then they've done something with that failure. They've turned it around or it's inspired them to do something else and then they've become successful. It doesn't matter. Well, very rarely in a limited way I would outsource for everybody else's opinions about what you're up to. Yeah, especially if you're getting feedback from somebody who is going to collude with your monkey mind around the failure that you might have brought them. Ooh, maybe you don't want to do that again. And you're thinking, um, but yeah, I really enjoy doing fill-in-the-blank thing and I want to be really good at it. And so I want to do more short independent films or write more books or, or publish another book of poetry, whatever it is that you're looking at. Maybe don't outsource so much for other people's opinions about what you should be doing with regard to your contribution and maybe in direct alignment with a failure because it's so easy for us as humans to get all up in the monkey mind with you and start having that girl, oh, I don't know, maybe that wasn't a good idea when actually you were put in the place to fail so that your next contribution, the next level, would be leveling up. How about that? So you guys are really great. Every once in a while I get emails from you. I'd love to get some more emails from you. Some of you guys follow me on TikTok. Um, I'm at Gabberflasted on TikTok. Uh, currently a little over 26,000 of you. It's wonderful. I absolutely love that community. It excites me uh, the way people support one another, especially on my page. It's just the best. Um, send me information about things you'd like to hear about on this podcast. I'll be probably posting three podcasts this month because I didn't get to do any last month. So um, what do you want to hear about? I have some fabulous guests lined up coming. And, you know, what do you want to hear me talk about? What would you like to hear a, an expert come in here and talk about? Just lay it out for me. You know, send me a one-line thing. Talk about fill in the blank, Dan. And we will do that here. So my wishes for you in this moment are that this contribution today has been of use, that you will begin to think about your own failures in a different way if you have any difficulty with it. And even if you don't, you might have a little extra buffer to the next time. And remember that until the next time we get back together, I am sending you huge amounts of love and light and that I think about you guys um, in whatever arena you are meeting me. And I wish you all the best. Until next time. You've been listening to The Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity with D.W. Long. Want to ask a question for a future episode? Click on the link in the show notes to send your question along via DW's website at www.mcscoach.com.